0: Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue this series on the blessings of the kingdom. You know, the evidence definitely is all around us. It is is within us. It is here. The evidence that God is real, uh, the evidence that He is a good God, that He loves us, that He cares for us, that He takes care of us, it is all around us. And you got to be... a blind man or just not want to see it uh, to not see it. Uh, it, is, it is there. And uh, there's also the evidence in his word that what he has for us and who he is and knowing him and being a part of his kingdom is far, far, far better than anything else you can experience in life. Right. It is true. So that, that evidence is clear, but a question comes to mind is the evidence about God is clear, but what about the evidence about us? And by that, I mean, if you believe that and all what I just said, and you believe that all that is true, where's the evidence that you believe that? Where's the evidence that you really are following after Jesus? That he is the king of your life. Where is that evidence? See, that's what confuses the world. Is they hear us sing some things and they hear us say some things and they don't see it in our lives. The evidence is not there. It's time we get back to living out the truth of the word of God. It is time that we start really living as if Jesus is king because he is and start living like we belong to his kingdom that we are a part of his kingdom. Now, in order to do that, there, are, th- there is this life that he calls us to. There are these blessings that are available, but then as he, he lays it out, he lays out that this kingdom living is different than what the world offers. It's different than what our, our minds might think of. It is definitely different than what our flesh desires. As he says that, let's just back up into into verse 1 where it says, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we talked about that last week. We covered that thoroughly last week. Now, here's a second blessing that he mentions here in verse 4, and this is our focus today, is he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. A little bit different in it. And understand when he's talking about, we're going to get into this in just a moment, but understand right off the bat, when he's talking about mourning and comforting, he's not talking about oftentimes what we pick. Well, oftentimes we go to, to grief and there is some teaching on grief, but we go to the loss of a loved one and mourning over that, and God's comfort in those times of, of, of loss, those times when we lose a family member, when we lose somebody else. And that is very true. God has comfort for times like that. That's promised throughout the word of God. And many of us here, here, if not all of us here could raise our hand and say, "I felt that comfort before," that's very true. But what he's talking about here is something spiritual in nature, rather than that, just that that uh, physical grief that we go to. He's talking about kingdom living and living this this life of mourning. You see. Let me just back up just a moment. This week, if you've been reading in the Old Testament and the engaged Bible reading, we've been reading about some fighting over the throne. And that's, that's matter of fact, it's, we're in 2 Samuel. And as you get into, out of 2 Samuel, and get into 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you're gonna see that even more. What God I, I said he would give the nation of Israel a king. And ever, ever since, and every time a king would die, there'd be fighting over who's gonna get the throne. It happened at the very beginning. Once after Saul died, David was the one that God anointed king. But then Ishbosheth, uh, anybody named their child Ishbosheth. <laughs> oh, is she here? Uh, he, uh, uh, the he was a son of Saul, and someone thought he should be king. And so there was this fighting. Even though God anointed him king, they, there was fighting that uh, going on after the the kingdom. Even to the point that after Solomon dies, the kingdom is split in two. Over the the southern tribe of Judah and those that went with them and the rest of the tribes, it was split in two. And see, and this is the attitude that they had that oftentimes we have is, I know what God says, but I want to do what I want to do. And it didn't matter what God said to them. They wanted Whoever it was to be king. So let's apply that to us spiritually. Who is our king really? Who is it that we are serving? Who is it that we bow down to? Oftentimes spiritually in our, 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 our spiritual lives, let's just, let's just get honest here this morning. Oftentimes in our spiritual lives, even though the evidence is all there and we may sing the songs and we may say the right things and we may show up on Sunday morning, when it comes down to spirit, our living after Jesus and doing what the word of God says, it really boils down to this. We do what we want to do. And if we don't want to do it, I've been pastor of Baptist Church a long time, and I know if we don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. So who's the king? Whose kingdom are we really in? See, the, the problem arises, and we can, we can learn a lot from some of these Old Testament mistakes. Because what happened to the nation of Israel, they kept choosing to do what they wanted to do. Matter of fact, the book of Judges says every man did what was right in his own eyes. And after you do that for a while, and then they were doing it in the wilderness wanderings. What happened? You keep saying no to God and doing what you want to do, your heart becomes hardened to the word and to the commands and to the calling of God. And that can happen today just like it did back in the Old Testament days. You see, that's why when Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, he spends a lot of time talking about brokenness, poor in spirit, and then today, mourning mourning. This is the kingdom life. The kingdom life. So let's, let's look at how he describes the kingdom life here in verse four, as he starts off and says, blessed are those who mourn. Who mourn here. There's nine different words in the New Testament for mourning. There are a lot of different words that describe mourning. This word that is used here is the strongest word to describe mourning. And so the the word mourning here means a strong lament over personal loss. That's what it means to mourn. It means to have this this strong feeling, this strong expression over personal loss. You see, last week when we were talking about being poor in spirit, we talked about that being beggarly poor and how we don't have anything. The reality is is that we, we do have a lot of things. We have a lot of stuff, but the problem is is all the things that we have are worthless. They're of no value. And so what is he saying here? He saying we recognize that what we have is, is absolutely worthless. How many of y'all know Frank Myers? Y'all know Frank Myers? Any Andy Griffith aficionados here? <laughs> Frank Myers was the poorest man in Mayberry. All right. Frank Myers, he's the one that couldn't pay his taxes, and so they had to evict him from his house. And so they asked Andy to do it, to evict Frank Myers. And if you remember the story there in the Andy Griffiths show, Frank Myers had a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, his, his occupation was is that he made berries for women's hats, all right? <laughs> that was it, and the problem was is nobody wanted berries for women, and he, and he, had, a, he had a closet full of berries for women's hats, and so he's showing Andy all that stuff, and Andy said, well, there's not much call today for, well, berries hats for, for I mean, berries for women's hat and everything. He said, but if they do, I'm ready, you know? <laughs> I said, but, and, and he had his little box of his, his valuables that he had there, I mean, he had a little a little uh, clip from uh, like a world fair or something like that, and they had a little uh, uh, napkin ring that was made out of pure whale bone, you know. And so those were his valuable things. And then they ended up, if you remember the story, they ended up finding this bond that was worth like uh, I think it was around three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that. And so they, the city of Mayberry, couldn't pay it back to him and everything. So they thought they'd fix up his house, and then they found out that that bond was worthless because it was made during the Confederacy and it was in Confederate money. Y'all remember the story and everything. But see, that's the thing about us. We've got all these things that we think are valuable and they're absolutely worthless. And what, what it means to be a part of the kingdom is to give up all of that. See, when we talk about mourning here, in order for us to mourn, there must be loss. The reason we don't see a lot of mourning in the people of God is we haven't given up anything. We we want all the blessings of the kingdom. We want all the blessings as far as heaven is concerned. We want all the blessings as far as peace is concerned. We want all these blessings, but we want to hold on to everything else as well. It doesn't work that way. To come into the kingdom of God means Jesus is king. It means we give up everything else. Do you understand that? I'm, I'm not just speaking hyperbole, it's what the Word of God says. It's what Jesus taught. He said, if any man will come after me, what? Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He talked all the time about sacrifice and service and everything you must give up. He even told the disciples, you've got to count the cost. We pray for revival. I'm praying for revival. And we'll know we're on the verge of real revival when we see brokenness come back into the people of God. And mourning because we have sacrificed everything for Him. What do we need to lose? A lot of things. But three primary areas I want to touch on this morning is the kingdom life involves a loss of worldly influence. We give up the influence of this world. We give up the, the pressure or the, the, the prodding of this world. We give it all up. Matter of fact, Paul taught this over in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, he's just concluded one of the greatest theological sections in all of God's word, Romans 1 through 11 there. And we've spent some time in there this year in Romans 6 and and touched on Romans 7 and Romans 8 and talked about not only the fact that God has forgiven us of our sins, but he set us free from the power of sin, from the bondage of sin and this great work that that he has done and how now we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's talking about this treasure of the kingdom of God which is Jesus himself this relationship with Jesus that we can have and he says this ought to be our response to it in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 he says I beseech you therefore on the basis of all that God has done for us on the basis of what it means to be saved and a part of the kingdom of God on the freedom and the victory that we have in Christ by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reason Service. And then here he goes. He says, And this is what it looks like. Therefore, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to give up the we're to lose worldly influence, to lay it all aside, to sacrifice that on the altar of God. Jesus is our king. The world is not our king. That means we give up the world's religious ideals, the world's philosophy of religion, and the world has its religions out there and stuff. Is that, hey, you can earn. You need to earn these things. You can achieve these things. You can, you can, what you need to do is you just need to do better. You just need to. Act better, and, and this way. And we need we give up all of that. We're not trying to to do better. We're just giving ourselves to God and following Him. We can't do that on. Our own. We give up the idea of worldly prestige to be. We don't care about being recognized by the world or being rewarded by this world. It's not about getting a trophy from this world. And we give all of that up, and we give up worldly wisdom as well, trying to figure everything out and think that our brains can come up with what we know best we lose all of that and we depend upon jesus for everything the loss of worldly influence see what to be in the kingdom of god means you just do whatever the king says do whatever the king says You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to evaluate it and wonder how people will perceive that or see that. You just do what the king says because you love the king. The loss of worldly influence and then the loss of physical comfort. Uh Uh-oh. We put a lot of value on physical comfort. And Jesus says, if you follow him, you'll have to give it all up. We want both. (laughs) Why can't we have both? Because your king said you can't. It's just as simple as that. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 29, Jesus, and, and and this is not the only time that he teaches this, but time and time again, he's, he's even been talking about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He's been teaching on the kingdom of God and the sacrifice for that. And then he says this in verse 29. He says, uh, As assur- Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present." time and then the age to come eternal life he's not talking about more comforts from this world he's talking about the comfort of god which we'll get into that in just a moment but here he's talking about the loss of all that being willing to give up everything that this world values and everything that our flesh values the world says save yourself hold on to these things never let go jesus says if you save your life you will lose it Give up everything to Jesus and you gain everything of eternal value. The world says avoid hardship and sacrifice. Jesus says if you're going to be a part of my kingdom, you will go through hardship and have to sacrifice. We don't hear this preached a lot today. (laughs) But Jesus preached it what he means by blessed are those who mourn. See, we've got to die to this world and to fleshly comforts. Let me tell you something. What I'm, what I'm saying, Jesus is better. His kingdom is better. I mean, we, it's like we have... The, we have these needs in our life that we're created with these, these things that we have in our life, and we go to the world, and the world says, I've got everything that you need, and offers us a big plate of cotton candy. Yeah. Cotton candy won't sustain you. <laughs> oh, It's big. You can get a big old thing of cotton candy the size of a basketball or something, and it still won't fill you. You can get one the size of a beach ball. It still won't fill you up. And that's what this world is offering you, cotton candy. Jesus is offering us life. And you will only find this life in him. In him. The loss of physical comfort. I'm, I'm here to tell you that suffering with Jesus is better than everything this world has to offer without Jesus. It's the life that these disciples lived. They didn't just buy into it, they gave their lives to it. And every one of them suffered and died a martyr's death. The kingdom life It's a life of mourning because we give up worldly influence. We give up physical comforts, and we definitely give up fleshly rule. Romans chapter 8. We read this last week or several weeks ago when we were in Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Pretty clear cut from the Word of God. We must die to the control of the flesh. And the good news is, is that through the death of Jesus Christ, we are dead to the power of the flesh. The flesh does not control us. The flesh tries to control us. The flesh tries to lead us. But we've got to get to the point that we die to the voice of the flesh. We die to the influence of the flesh. Well, listen, we give in to the flesh because we choose to give in to the flesh, not because the flesh has power over us. We've been set. If you've been born again, you've been set free. Jesus has set you free. Jesus' death works. The resurrection power of Jesus works. We've just got to choose. We've got to choose to to die to the voice of the flesh, to quit feeding on the flesh, to quit going back to the flesh, to quit letting the flesh influence. We've got to lose fleshly rule in our life. The flesh is sin. That's what we're talking about. And sin ruins us. Sin tramples the king's laws. Sin makes light of the king's love. Sin grieves the, the king's spirit. Sin mocks the king's son sin resists the king's grace and sin robs the king of the glory that is due his name and when I'm talking about sin I'm talking about the rule of self in our lives and by the way that self rule, that sin killed Jesus and so the people of God ought to mourn mourn Mourn, give up, lose, realize all that we have done, what it has done to Jesus. And so we are willing to lay everything down at his feet. That's the kingdom life. And then I've got good news for you. When you give it all up, yes, there's suffering and there's hardship. But the blessings of the kingdom far outweigh anything this world has to offer. Notice what he says back in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 4, where he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, when he's talking about comfort here, we, we need to understand what he means by comfort. He's talking about more than just petting a puppy that's scared because it's thundering, okay? He's talking about something far deeper than that. He is talking about soul care and what our souls really need. That's what he's talking about. The word for comfort here is the word paraclete. And when you hear that word, if you've studied uh, the New Testament a little bit, some some gears ought to be turning and stuff, because that word is the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. It has the word para, which means beside, and it has the word cleat or kleitos, which means the word call. And so it literally means to call alongside. And so what does he mean by comfort? He's he's talking about more than just that he comes down and strokes her back a little bit. He is talking about a peace, a real peace that comes from presence. The presence of what? The presence of God. And he's not a what, he's a who. The presence of the Holy Spirit is what he's talking about with this comfort. That's the comfort that we have. I mean, we we talk about we were talking about it earlier about how how great our, our our God is, how he is great and greatly to be praised and we were singing of the 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 faithfulness of God, of the goodness of God. You understand as a part of his kingdom that God is with you. He lives within us. That's the comfort. The comfort is in the comfort-er. It is in him. This is, this is what he's talking about here. We mourn because our our sin has killed Jesus. We mourn and we give up everything because Jesus is, is worthy of that. Our sin killed Jesus and yet this Jesus was raised from the dead and this Jesus is alive and this Jesus lives within me and this Jesus is king and therefore I've, I give everything up for my king King Jesus. What I experience is God Almighty. You see, it's the things this world has to offer don't even taste as good as cotton candy compared to Jesus. They're empty. They're filthy. The things of this world are rotten and disease infested and will kill you. And you can have God. That's Kingdom living, and that is kingdom blessing. And by blessing, we mean that the, the, all the blessings, remember we talked about this, all the blessings of the kingdom are blessings of grace. God's not giving us himself because we've earned it because of the sacrifice that we have made. He is making himself available based upon his sacrifice that he has done for us. It is a gift. We can never give up enough to earn the presence of God. God has made this presence available to us. He has made his presence within us as he is there within us, his comfort within us. And that's what... what that's what leads us. That's what guides us. That's what impassions us. To give up everything else is because we have him. You see, this, this comfort, first of all, it is a personal comfort. When he says there in, in verse 4, notice it says, for they shall be comforted. Who's the They? The ones who mourn, oh, oh, now it makes sense. See, as long as we're holding on to the things of this world and to the things of this flesh, we will never experience the presence of God like he promises us. It, it just doesn't work there. You see, this this comfort is for those that are broken. For those that have put themselves on the altar, as Romans 12 talked about. Over in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, it describes God and this This way, he says, blessed be the God and Father. By the way, he's the king. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of most comfort, of some comfort. No, of all comfort. He is the God, this comfort only is found in God, the king. It is only found in him. It is only found in his kingdom. We don't get to decide when and how we get this comfort. We've got to go his way. And this is what the king said. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. If we're going to experience the presence of God in our life, if we're going to experience this real comfort, this real peace that comes from his presence, then we've got to repent. We've got to lay these. We can't have that while we're holding on and embracing and, and, and feeding on the things of this world. See, that, that's the way it was, you know, even all throughout Scripture. David in Psalm 51, it was when he was broken and he came to God in repentance and repented and, and turned to God and poured out his heart before God. That's when he said, Now, God, will you restore the joy of my salvation? He didn't have it until he was broken and mourning over the sin in his life. We talk about Isaiah's great promise there of of willingness to go and and hearing God say, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And and Isaiah saying, here am I, send me. He never got to that point until earlier in Isaiah chapter six where he was convicted about his sin and said, woe is me. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He had to receive that, that cleansing the power of God in his life. Even at Pentecost when, when Peter was there preaching that, that great sermon and, and thousands were there. Notice before the thousands ever came to Jesus, what does it say about them? It says that the Holy Spirit pricked their hearts. He convicted them. Their hearts were broken over what their sin had done to Jesus. And they were asking for salvation, for forgiveness, for the same Holy Spirit they were seeing work through these believers. God will not fill those with Himself who are filled with themselves in the world. We need personal comfort. And God has personal comfort for those who mourn. He also has promised comfort. As He says, they shall be comforted. And by the way, whenever God says shall be, it shall be. He keeps His promises. Over in Philippians 1, 21, Paul said that Christ in me, for to him to live was Christ, but to die was gain. What is he saying here? He's saying that in Christ, whatever I give up, even my own life, what Jesus offers me, what I have in Christ is gain. It is far better far better we gain now in the kingdom of god we gain a relationship we gain comfort we gain peace we gain power we gain freedom we gain victory we gain boldness we gain a a never-ending relationship with him We gain these things. And then when this life is over, we gain even more. We'll have a life then that there will be no more suffering. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more Satan. We'll get him forever. But let me tell you something. You can have him now. So turn away from the things of this world. Lay down the things of this world. Turn your back on the things of the flesh. Embrace the king. He has personal comfort. He has promised comfort. And he has present comfort. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. I mentioned earlier about the Holy Spirit there, that he is the paraclete. Matter of fact, that is seen in John 14 and verse 16, where he says, and I will pray. Jesus is speaking. I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. That helper, that's the same word for comforter here. That helper is the Holy Spirit, and he is with us. When we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and so right now he is working within us he's the one that is convicting us he's the one that saves us he's the one that restores us he's the one that comforts us he's the rule one that rules over us he is God the Holy Spirit and he is king as well what we have in him so much better Lay everything else down and come to Jesus. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.